Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We roll into hour two, of course, on Saturday. The battle begins between the Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. I finally got New Jersey Nets out of my mind. That's nice. Yeah, it took, go. took me long enough. Yeah. Joining us now, I always love introducing people from Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, what does it say? Ian Eagle is an American sports announcer. He calls NBA, NFL, and college basketball games on CBS, the French Open Tennis for the Tennis Channel, Brooklyn Nets games on the S Network, Army-Navy football, boxing, my man, my man, Ian Eagle with Gresham <laughs> Keith here on Pretty the W E E I Sports Radio Network. Birdman, how are you, friend? I am an American. Damn it! <laughs> you Let's are get that out in the open. You are an American. You're an American who joins us on the Harbor One Hotline, and you do not have a Twitter. No. Wow. Well, I don't have one that you know of. Ooh, I like this. You, you learned that from Kevin Durant. Yeah. They- <laughs> Burner accounts, baby. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, Ian, first of all, thanks for taking the time. And, and look, there's a, there's an interesting connection, obviously, between these two teams. And I saw some tweets from down in New York City with the whole, now we get to avenge the trade of, you know, Paul Pierce <laughs> and Kevin Garnett and all that. I don't think any of those guys are thinking that. So, Ian, where is this Nets team as we kind of head into the postseason? Yeah, that's a great point because when the two players mentioned aren't even pondering that whatsoever, the, the odds are that's not an actual narrative anymore. Like, we're, we're way past that part and that whole trade and the equation that it set off. Uh, the team certainly went in a different direction. The organization changed management, changed ownership, changed approach, and the Nets are in a very unfamiliar situation where they are a main topic of conversation around the NBA. That's just not normally the case. Even when they went to -to back-to-back finals, they were never a hot topic. So when you have the star power that they have with KD, with Harden, with Kyrie, a lot of attention is going to come with it. Uh, This team comes into the postseason finally feeling like they're healthy and ready to make a run. Uh, the questions pop up on just the the sheer uh, number of games that they played together and the fact that it, it isn't a large sample size. But the belief from behind the scenes is 
Their chemistry off the court is very strong, and they think that it will translate on the court. They're going to work through some things during the early rounds of the playoffs, and Boston happens to be in their way. I think that's the way they're looking at it. How have you enjoyed the Kyrie Irving experience, uh, both on the court and uh, certainly off of it? Yeah, on a personal level, it's been great. As a play-by-play announcer, Kyrie has packed in five years' worth of highlights into a grand total of 77 games in his two years Mm -hmm. with the team. And as a play-by-play announcer, he's doing something that is dazzling, eye-popping, creative, on a game-in, game-out basis. Again, personal. I mean, we all look at life this way. How does someone treat you? What's been your experience with the person? And all of my experiences have been positive with Kyrie. He grew up a Nets fan. He grew up watching the Yes Network, which means he grew up watching me on the broadcast with those Jason Kidd teams that was during a, a highly impressionable time in his life. So, when we start out the relationship, uh, there's a baseline there already because he was an actual fan. It, it was real. And any of my dealings with him have been very positive, and I, I have him as a thoughtful, deep guy that plays at an exceptionally elite level when he's on the court. Do you think he cares if the team wins? And And the reason I ask that is, when he obviously he talks about a lot of bigger issues and he, he's very quick to say there are things more important than basketball, which he's right, but you don't always hear you know professional basketball players say that. And I remember when he was here, the one playoff series that they lost, they lost in five games to the Bucks. And mm-hmm. in the post game press conference, he was like, "Well, now's not the time to be disappointed." And I was like, "Well, if now's not the time, I don't really know when it is." So I'm curious, win or lose, do you think Kyrie really cares? I think he does. I think he's highly competitive. I do think that uh, he sees things through a different lens, and sometimes uh, the way that he interprets it or describes his feelings in the moment can take people off guard a bit. Uh, He might say some things that others feel or believe, but he's willing to say them, and it's not the normal post-game chatter or pre-game chatter. Uh, With that said, anything that I've seen, he takes a lot of pride in what he does. Uh, I do believe that this was the plan. The plan was to get to the Nets and have a team that can vie for a championship, and now he gets a chance to live that out. Uh, The difference in this particular case, maybe from Boston to here, it's not all on him. Uh, There are others on the team that media will go to or fans will uh, try to connect with. KD, as we know, is someone that's accomplished a great deal and takes a lot of responsibility on his shoulder. James Harden, at this stage of his career, this is the only thing left. Everything else, you check the box. James Harden has done it. The only thing left is winning a championship. So when you want to have those conversations with other great players and superstars, That's the only thing that he needs to do. Now, it's a big thing. It's a big step to get to. But the motivation factor and the way he's embraced it with this team has been inspiring. And I think it has helped Kyrie. And it has helped KD. That it's not all on them. So the circumstances might be a little bit different. And obviously, we're talking about a few years ago now. Um, You know, Kyrie definitely has stuff going on. And with 
anyone when things are happening at that level on a personal level, I can't get inside their head. Uh, and I don't try to. You know, I try to understand that everybody processes things differently. And I try to have at least some form of a sympathetic ear and eye when it comes to these situations. Ian Eagle, Nets play-by-play man on the Yes Network, America's play-by-play man here with Gresham Keefe on the <laughs> WEEI Sports Radio Network. Harden, Kyrie, Durant. Ian, I think they've played, what, maybe seven games together, whatever it is. D- is there a good handle on what this team is really going to be like with those three guys on the floor? Yeah, it's been a total of eight games, which is not a lot of games. It's not a lot of minutes. One of those games, I'm not even sure you can count, and that's why you could probably go to the seven-game number, was the game where Kevin Durant couldn't start the game against Toronto because of health and safety protocols, and they let him in the game in the first quarter. Then he got pulled in the game in the second quarter and was told he can't return to the game. So even that, uh, wasn't enough to to use as any kind of guide to what we're going to see come postseason. What I think has happened, and really believe this just based on the information that I have, talking to people that are much closer to it, we don't have the access that we once did. Everything is done via Zoom. Every broadcast we've done has either been at the top of the first level for home games and then same spot when the team is on the road. We're in Brooklyn, but the team is playing in Minnesota. We're not there. But what I can gather is the chemistry is real off the court. That These guys genuinely like each other, respect each other, and now it's actually uh, had an impact on the rest of the team. James Harden changed a lot of that. I think the whole dynamic of the team shifted when Harden got there. Harden is chatty. It was a quiet locker room. Harden gets there, and now all of a sudden people are talking more. People are joking more. And as you win more, obviously the belief is that you can do it again come playoff time. They won without Harden. They won without Durant. They won without Kyrie. So that builds confidence in the rest of you guys. They're going to be able to score against anybody. The question is, play a really talented big, a.k.a. Joel Embiid, or – a unique talent in Giannis Adetokounmpo, do they have the defensive presence to win games and get big stops when necessary? That's been a, a bit of an issue throughout the year. It got better, certainly got better the last couple of months of the season, but come playoff time, uh, that often separates teams. And it may not matter in this series, but I'm curious, who is the fourth most important player on this team. The three stars get all the attention, and as they should, and I think they can carry you for a while, but mm-hmm. sometimes in a playoff series, it might be somebody else that people aren't as familiar with. So who do you think that fourth guy would be? You know, I think normally you would say Joe Harris uh, led the league in three-point shooting this season, but I don't know if in this series Joe would would get that tag. Blake Griffin is going to play a much bigger role, I think, come postseason. He's accepted his role as someone that hustles and takes offensive fouls and cleans up around the rim and is not a go-to guy. And he has actually flourished in that role. Jeff Green, a former Celtic, so a blast from the past, the guy has been so beyond what they ever could have anticipated. He's filled in so many different spots for them. They need him to play small ball five, he'll do it. Need him to play power forward, he'll do it. Need him to be a ball mover on the perimeter? He'll do it. Need him to make threes? Yes. Need him to attack the rim? He'll do it with gusto. 
so another player to, to keep an eye on. And then uh, one more Boston connection, uh, Bruce Brown, who was an afterthought in Detroit, uh, Boston native, proud Boston native. He has been a, a five-tool guy for them. He has played a little bit of small ball center, that roller position where he just hangs around the free throw line and works the paint. He's 6-5 at best, yet they have found this role that he can really be successful in. And very likable guy, uh, well-respected on the team, hustles, plays hard, and brings a lot of intangibles. So it's not just the big three. They, they have gotten outstanding seasons from others to put them in the position that they're in. Ryan Eagle talking Nets Celtics with Gresham Keefe. Bird, what's the buzz on the Celtics down in your neck of the woods? Uh, I think the feeling that this isn't the best Celtic team that we've seen, that they underachieved this year, uh, that they dealt with a lot, and they came out on the other side with a nice win in this play-in tournament. But we know that they are not at full strength, and it feels like it's a little bit of a transition with younger players seeing more time. But some of those players that have given the Nets fits, Daniel Tice has always been a, a thorn in their side. He's not there. You know, that's someone that, believe it or not, would have been prominently featured on the scouting report. And there really isn't anyone that has taken on that role. The improvement of Robert Williams, which I've noticed from last year to this year, but staying healthy and whether or not he's going to be available. Uh, Evan Fournier put up some pretty good numbers in a game against the Nets earlier this season as a member of the Orlando Magic. But while the Nets respect every opponent and they're going to say all the right things, you know, I think the general belief here in the New York area is that the Nets should take care of business and, and move on to the next round and probably hoping Milwaukee and Miami just get into an all-out seven-game battle so that the Nets are rested and the team that survives that matchup comes in a little banged up. How is year one for Steve Nash? Just from the outside, I feel like the last time we talked about Steve Nash on this show was when Kyrie went on a podcast with Durant and said, we don't really need a head coach, or yeah, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but mm. the fact that we haven't heard much about him, it seems like things have gone pretty well uh, year one as an NBA head coach. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, he's he's a fantastic guy. So that's the first part. I know personality uh, usually drops down in the pecking order when you start looking at all of the things that you like in a head coach. But given the circumstances, the fact that he is someone that everybody on the team can relate to, you know, this was not someone that was set out for stardom from day one. He had to work really hard to get to where he was as a player. So I do think the players that are 10, 11, 12 in the rotation can relate to that. But then he did become a star. So the KDs and uh, Kyrie's and uh, and James Harden's can connect on that level. Two-time MVP, Hall of Fame player. Uh, he, he just has a really easy touch with communication and connecting with people. He's got a very good staff. He's just got a strong way about him he's got the right temperament for this and all things considered given the zoom world that we're living in uh, i think he's handled himself incredibly well and this is going to be a new experience he's pretty humble and for someone who accomplished so much he doesn't claim to know everything he knows he's learning as he goes uh, he's he's done excellent work uh, as the head coach and you're right it probably has gone a little bit under the radar 
uh, because so much was expected of this team. But you have, you have to actually go out and do it, and, and he helped lead that charge. Uh, Ian, last thing for you. I know up this way, uh, the way I'm sure Net fans feel about you is the way we feel about Mike Gorman, one of the greats going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, when did you cross paths with Mike along the way? Because he was like the voice of the Big East and uh, a guy that people have looked up to for years. Yeah, you nailed it. You know, when I was in college and I'm going to Syracuse and I'm watching the Orange on TV and it's Mike Gorman and Bill Raftery on those games, uh, that resonated with me, his command and his ability to mesh with his partner and crank it when necessary and in the big moment deliver. Then I get the job with the Nets in 1994 and that's the first time that I meet Mike. And then you realize, oh, my goodness, he's such a wonderful person. He's inviting and uh, wants to actually know about you. It's not all about him. It, it's an actual conversation. So that's really what, what stuck with me, how kind he is to people, how he treats others, and then how just outstanding he has been on the air for so long. You know, now, I've been doing this 27 years with the Nets, and that's hard for me to wrap my brain around because I was the young guy, very young guy, when I got the job. He's been doing it for longer and doing it <laughs> at the highest of levels year in, year out. Him and Tommy, it was must-see TV. Him and Scal, tremendous together. There's the one constant, and it's Mike. No matter who you put next to him, Mike is always going to deliver the goods and – uh, I'm just so happy for him. He's so deserving of this honor, and he's so well-respected around the league. I, I looked up to him when I was uh, dreaming of being a broadcaster, and then when I got to that level, uh, I still looked up to him because he, he brought it every single night and still does. Ian, thanks for the time, man. I really do appreciate it. Glad we were able to reconnect. Thanks for the intel, and uh, hopefully we cross paths sooner than later, Bird. I appreciate it. Yeah, looking forward to it, guys. Uh, should be fun. There's definitely some intrigue in these playoffs. And uh, if you want to play me out with some more Eagles music, whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm comfortable. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know what I really wanted, Ian? We needed the uh, fly like the eagle, like when you were yeah, talking to when you, yeah, when, uh, uh Here's Short Al at 310 on the fan, right? Like, <laughs> you, you and I both live that. Ian, thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Anytime.